0: Hey there Slump Busters, it's time for episode 78 of the Slump Buster Podcast. I'm your host, Juju Talk Sports, and joining me on today's podcast is Kyle Ludbetter of Comical Sports Memes of the Take It Easy podcast. Very funny guy. We have a lot of NBA action to talk about. We have NFL Week 12 to talk about. We have a lot to be thankful for on today's podcast, and obviously we're thankful that you're listening, but we're also thankful for our partners, starting off first with ManScape.com, the number one in men's grooming, the company that sells the number one tools for those family jewels. Now, come on, don't be a chump. Use promo code slump. They have the Lawnmower 3.0. They have the Crop Preserver. They have those anti-chafing boxer briefs. They have tons of great products. And trust me, fellas, this isn't just an investment in yourself. This is for the ladies out there. You want the Crop Preserver. You want me smelling your best all day. So don't be selfish. Go out there, get the best tools on the market. Make sure you're right because you ain't busting any slumps with your like third-rate razor. So manscaped.com, get on that. And once you've done that, check out Nature's Relief. Plenty of CBD companies have sprung up in recent years, and I'm sure they have fine products. But I'm here to tell you about a proven, organic, tested company. I'm talking about Nature's Relief, TX.com. Now, they have a wide variety of products, not just for yourself. It's Christmas is coming up. Let's think about doing some holiday shopping. Use promo code slump. Save yourself some money on your next purchase, whether that be their nighttime gummies, their drops. Maybe you want to buy some CBD products for dogs. Well, guess what? They have it, folks. And if you use promo code slump, you're going to save some money on it. Go ahead, invest. Get in that holiday spirit. It is the season of giving. You don't feel like giving out CBD products? Fine, fine. Well, how about giving out some coffee? cavemancoffeeco.com caveman is the albuquerque new mexico based organization and i gotta say they know what they're doing when it comes to brewing cold brew coffee their nitro cold brew their pumpkin spice they have the mammoth blends the hibiscus teas. honestly hibiscus teas. bryce dallas howard she's always pitching them and you know why she's pitching them because they're fantastic so go ahead and use probably some to save some money there Now, I've told you how to save money. We're all happy that you save some money, but let's make some money now. Go to RazorSport.com. Now, Razor, sign up for their free trial, and they're going to tell you exactly who to bet on and how to beat Vegas. How are they going to do this? Well, they have a wide variety of betting experts, handicappers, people that have bet against Vegas for years and know what they're doing. This is a worldwide sports betting network, people, and RazorSport is dedicated to assisting you, giving you the right tools you need. Come down with that dub on Sundays. Now go ahead and check them out, Razorsport, R A Z E R Sport.com. And folks, I assure you, you're going to be very happy. All right, guys, it is time for the show. It is time to welcome on Kyle and it is time to hashtag bust the slump. So sit down and enjoy. Quiet on the set, make sure my mic is on, there is Dre and Juju Dog, diving towards the pylon, go for two, so damn rude, recognize authority, spitting tips for fantasy, no way you're outscoring me, bold predictions with conviction every single day, Spoke it's addiction, no restriction, kicking game like Pele. He's the greatest. What's the basis? Pick an athlete. Let's debate this game. Outrageous trading places, sudden death, take 10 paces. Turn and shoot, boys of truth, Mamba mentality. Future greats take their place. Dreams become reality. Low and outside, knocked it out the park. Your boy discovered fire like a rock with a spark.
1: Refs acting like Neanderthals. Phantom flags, nothing calls. Heartbreak losses, tragic falls. Every week, discuss it all. Settle it. Listen up. Free. it time like Andrew Luck. Show's about to stop. I suggest you buckle up.
0: Kyle, what are you thankful for heading into this
1: episode? Oh, I'm thankful for good health. I'm thankful for good food. And I'm thankful for even in a year like 2020 to have the opportunity to keep being my best self and talk to you today.
0: Well, that is a very great answer, a very well thought-out answer. I was fully expecting you to go on and just do the full-on Marshawn Lynch. I'm grateful. <laughs> <laughs> I was so tempted to like break out those highlights for this episode, just kind of like, oh yeah, we're doing a little interview with Marshawn Lynch. Hey, Marshawn, how's your day going? I'm grateful. You know, <laughs> uh, I kind of have a mixed feeling whenever I think about Marshawn Lynch because on one hand great moments awesome clips to go back and watch on that one but on the other hand it's like kind of a dick move if you're in the media you're just like oh man let me go ahead and ask marshawn these questions and some of those questions were actually legitimate questions it's like i'm grateful it's like thanks marshawn really appreciate you i guess I i'll think just of, go try and do my job
1: yeah i think of marshawn lynch the same way i think of snoop dogg where it's like, these guys aren't supposed to be universally beloved figures. Like Marshawn Lynch is the dude that drove a cart on the field in the middle of a game in college, which I don't think we've ever seen anything like that before or since. And through all of it, without doing any media stuff, always being the, I'm just here so I won't get fined guy. He's just this beloved figure that everyone loves and he gets commercial deals. I love Marshawn Lynch.
0: Managed to really work on getting that Skittle sponsorship, and then he just can unretire on a whim or when the Seahawks are down to their seventh running back. Surprised we haven't heard his (laughs) name come up this season at all, given they're kind of not in the best health situations. But I am thankful as well to have you on the show, Kyle. We haven't had you on since the start of the preseason. Last time we were talking, we were more gloom and doom. We're like, is there going to be a football season? What's the standards? What's going to be? Seems like the standard is we're just going to power through and get this season wrapped up. But I did need to bring you on because I need to address some of this 49er slander I've been noticing on Comical Sports memes in the Take It Easy pod page. Like, come on. Come on, man. I'm going a little bit too hard on the paint. Do you really think that the team would not be that good if it
1: wasn't for the injuries? Or is this just for the means? Let me be very clear about this, is that I absolutely am certain that if the 49ers were healthy they would be knocked out in about the divisional round they would be about where the bucks are this year yes and Mm. the issue now that they have going forward is they got to do some soul searching right now because they look around at that division the Seahawks at least look better this year obviously they have issues on defense the Rams look pretty good. The Cardinals are the up-and-coming team that has now arrived. And they look around, even when this team is fully healthy, with guys getting older, with people coming up on contracts, with a quarterback that we now know is average to below average in terms of starting quarterbacks. They have some soul-searching to do to figure out, hey, are we actually the bottom feeders in this division now?
0: I would have to, like, push back on that one. I I just think, and this is looking just at the fact I mean, they were in the Super Bowl last year. And that tells me, if this team is fully healthy, they do have more than enough pieces to contend. The fact of the matter is they came into this year even down like a guy. When you're having to start Dante Pettis in week one, and then when you look at the Seattle game, they were never really at full strength at any point this season. Losing Bosa in week two to the MetLife turf was less than ideal. But then you factor in, you're down to your fifth string cornerback. I mean, that Miami game, when you're having to start Brian Allen, and Brian Allen is now a meme in terms of not the 49ers community, then you know you're in dire straits. And I think that's really set the tone for the entire year. I don't think it's possible for them to be the bottom feeders because I do think that, yes, the Rams have looked impressive, but we have seen when the Niners are at full strength, they're able to beat the Rams pretty handily. I think that's been shown over the last couple of years when both teams are good, the Niners have had the advantage. In terms of the Seahawks, you mentioned their defense – is abysmal. I don't think any Seahawks fan is going to be happy with that Jamal Adams trade when we fast forward here in a couple of years because you got to give it to the Jets. They may have actually won this one because one of your most important things you have to do as a defensive back in the National Football League is cover. And see, this point, even though Jamal Adams can lay down the hit stick, he can't cover. And that is a huge problem. And then you look at the Arizona Cardinals. My biggest thing with Arizona long-term is does anyone believe in Cliff Kingsbury long-term? Do you concur? Do you believe in Cliff? Do you think that I'm being too hard on him?
1: This is interesting because I believe in the air raid. I believe in the system more than I believe in the person himself, because obviously he doesn't have the success to show for it. I think this season is probably his most successful season as a head coach anywhere. And I believe in the air raid system, even if it's a watered down version of it, closer to what Andy Reid and the enemy are doing in Kansas City than what the traditional air raid at Big 12 football that we're used to um, looks like and for the Seahawks I think you're absolutely right about Jamal Adams I've seen a lot of slander on Jamal Adams and it doesn't make a lot of sense to me because he's kind of become this spearhead that a lot of meme pages have decided we are going to go after Jamal Adams and we're going to go after him aggressively and I think of him more as I think of like Tyron Matthew where it's like yes he's a safety but we should be looking at him more as a linebacker than as a safety because he's this like weird hybrid and so well,
0: if that's the case then we should just fully transition him in position then keep him out there as a defensive back because he has shown he's not able to keep up with some of these more athletic tight ends and even though the Niners are down in injury when they are at full strength Let's face it, you have one of the best tight ends in the division there. We know that Kyler Murray, query is going to cause headaches for him for years to come. And Sean McVeigh's created enough to cause issues or get mismatches with the right pieces. And if he sees that he has a mismatch on Jamal Adams in coverage, he's going to exploit it. And that's what's happened to
1: him. As much as I suppose that I'm becoming the like anti-49ers guy for some reason, I do love the matchup with them and the Rams. Like the 49ers stack up incredibly well versus that Los Angeles defense. Of course, when George Kittle is healthy, that makes all the difference in the offense because Debo Samuel's is a legitimate number one. They have the running back committee. Shanahan doesn't make mistakes in play calling ever when they're winning, he looks a lot better. And I, I don't have many nice things to say about Garoppolo. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, he's a starting level quarterback in the NFL. But there's a lot missing in his game that I think is kind of becoming the, the end of the road for him as a starter. But I think he has three to four more years before he goes back into that Andy Dalton Purgatory, where he's kind of a backup. He's kind of a starter. We're not really sure what it's going to be. And if you're the 49ers, I mean, I've talked about before on the podcast about how the 49ers have a Jimmy G dilemma because they want to move on from him, but they're not sure if they can get someone better than him this offseason. And I compare it to Sam Darnold with the Jets, where the Jets have already moved on from him because they know they're getting someone better. It's either going to be Lawrence or Fields. The 49ers only have like three options for someone better than Jimmy G. It's possibly Darnold, and even that's not a guarantee. It's Stafford, and it's Matt Ryan. That's about it in terms of who's available.
0: And I agree that basically when the whole Jimmy Garoppolo debate comes down to, you have to tell me that you're going to bring in someone better into the locker room. And I, when you mentioned those names, Sam Darnold, Who knows what at this point is his confidence shot. I mean, we can blame the Jets, We can blame Adam Gase as much as we can want, but at the same time, there are certain situations in which you have to look at the player and he has Sam Darnold done enough for the jets to become a good team. I know that Justin Herbert's not necessarily on the best team right now in the world. And he's managing to pull together, scrap claw, at least look competitive in those matchups. That's something I haven't really seen from Sam too much in his career. When you look at Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, I think, is worse off than Garoppolo at this point in his career. First off, he's more expensive. Second off, he's actually even less mobile than Garoppolo, and that's saying Garoppolo came off of ACL a couple of years ago. Would you say that he's had a lot of success with Kyle? Of course. He has the MVP, but we're not living in 2016. We're living in 2020. At this point in their careers, I would take Jimmy Garoppolo over Matt Ryan. Um, and uh-huh. then you mentioned Stafford. I, well, let me like, throw
1: this one out, actually. How about Kirk Cousins? Because no, I was putting him no, below No,
0: <laughs> absolutely not. Let that narrative die because people have been trying to ship Kyle Shanahan to Kirk Cousins for multiple years. And that is just like one of those bad fan fiction novels that just needs to die and be put away, <laughs> sealed in the book, keep it away forever. But uh, as far as Matt Stafford, I would say that one I'm a little bit fringe on. But again, it's just like when you look at the contracts, when you look at what Stafford has done over the course of his career, has it ever been anything too exciting? I mean, the narrative out there, of course, Stat Padford has followed him around for the majority of his careers. <laughs> not a lot of winning seasons. And yes, again, you can blame the Lions organization, sure. But the, he did play, it's not like he has had no supporting cast. He's had Galladay, he's had Marvin Jones, he's had Calvin Johnson. There's been pieces there that I think that at some point in his career, Matthew Stafford should have had a transcendent year. He hasn't really ever had that. And that's why I don't really, I'm on the fringe with him because I know in terms of athletic ability, sure. But in terms of mindset and competitiveness, I'm like, ah, I am tough on that one. So my only real option for moving on from Jimmy G would be if they drafted a quarterback. And that's, you know, there's a lot of interesting names thrown out there. There's Zach Wilson, there's Trey Lance. Those are going to be more in the tier that the Niners are going to find themselves in because... You're already giving up on Trevor Lawrence. You're not drafting him at one. You're not getting Justin Fields because he's going at two. The Niners are pretty much going to be in that 10 to 15 range somewhere in the draft at this point. Less come out of the buy. Nick Mullins decides to go on some impressive run. Maybe Jimmy <laughs> B does come back in the last three games and goes 3-0 and and messes with draft position. Then they're put in that position where it's like, do we trade up? Do, you know, you're hearing Kyle Trask, you name it, thrown around out there. I think the only real option is for they're draft like a quarterback in rounds two through three. And then it comes down to Kyle's ability to maybe develop that guy. And that is even then a question mark because Kyle did draft a quarterback before he drafted CJ Beathard in round three and CJ Beathard never developed into the 49ers franchise quarterback. He was so bad that the Niners decided they had to make a move and trade for Jimmy Garoppolo in 2017. So I even have my questions with Kyle's ability to evaluate talent at the quarterback position and what's going to follow Kyle around for his career to this point, his record with, and without Jimmy Garoppolo night and day. It's literally, I want to say something like seven and 24 versus 25 and seven. (laughs) You know, that's, that's a huge disparity. The most important quarterback stat out there. And I know a lot of people don't want to talk about this. Can I win with this guy? And they've won almost three times as many games as they've lost with Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: This is interesting because everything you're saying makes it seem like if you're interested in a rookie quarterback and you can't go up and get one, then it feels like Darnold is like a risk worth taking. Like he might pan out. Or the right value. He might not. Yes. And I don't know what his value is going to be. Probably a, a late second, early third rounder from the Jets, I would assume, because... Like you said, he hasn't shown a lot in the first few years, but it's enticing. And the rookie quarterbacks are going to be fun because right now our draft guy for the podcast, he has six first round grades on quarterbacks. And you mentioned all of them and with the addition of Mac Jones from Alabama. And there's like 10 teams I could make the case for drafting a quarterback. So some of these teams are going to be left out and they're going to have to pick between the Jameis Winstons and the Cam Newtons and the Mariotas and the Andy Dalton's of the world in free agency to kind of fill that quarterback position and so think
0: about it like this it's like this family guy reference here you can draft the mystery box or you can stay with jimmy garoppolo the mystery box could be anything it could even be jimmy garoppolo okay (laughs) give me jimmy g let's just roll through it another year he's one of the cheaper contracts now in the nfl with the constantly escalating nfl quarterback market that is going to be my piece, at least for the Niners talk there. I just wanted to have you on the show because I've, I've seen those slanderous memes and I just wanted to address them up front with you. But speaking of another kind of like subject that you're not so high on, recent NBA moves. I've seen some posts on your page, one in particular, overpaid and overrated in regards to the Charlotte Hornets new tandem of Gordon Hayward and Lonzo Ball, or not Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball. Sorry. The
1: other one. <laughs> the other
0: Multiple Brawl brothers nowadays. But yeah, They might have the other one sooner than
1: later. I they think might. they might be trading for the other one.
0: <laughs> you think that is what LeVar thought about whenever he was concocting, like, the trio in his mind? All three of his boys playing in Charlotte under Michael Jordan, the man that he so publicly put became famous for uh, wanting to go against. Also, the Celtics man. Gordon and Aver never really panned out for us. Was, you can blame the injury... One of the more notable sports injuries in recent history, of course. Even when he came back, it, he just never really had a role with that team. It was clear that the other guys around him were on a better level than him. Uh, obviously, you can't really take Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum out of the starting lineup, putting Gordon Hayward, and that became a problem. So naturally, I think he kind of felt it was time to move on. He opted out of his contract with the Celtics, and for some reason, landed in Charlotte. It didn't make too much sense for me because we were hearing like the Knicks thrown out there. We were hearing the Indiana Pacers were actually a team that he was pursuing very strongly to be on, but he ends up in Charlotte. I guess my question with the Charlotte Hornets, is this a team that we could see over 40 wins this year? Because they haven't really been above that threshold in recent history.
1: See, this is interesting because we know that they have this young player who that is the highest player they've drafted I think since Emeka Okafor was the or Kid Gilchrist and Emeka Okafor the highest picks the franchise has had in a while and they're so high on him and then they go make this move with Gordon Hayward which on surface level he makes their team better but 120 million dollars I've been laughing at that for almost five days now it has been just unbelievable not only that but the irony of not paying $40 million for Kemba Walker, just to pay $48 million a season for Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. And in regards to Charlotte, the Eastern Conference is fascinating because we have this top tier of Milwaukee and we suspect probably Brooklyn with a healthy Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn should be up there because Durant, when healthy, is one of the best players in the sport. And then there's Toronto, Miami, Boston, Philadelphia. They're jockeying to get into that top tier. And then there's just this hosh posh of Pacers, Magic, Hawks, Bulls, Hornets. Oh, uh, the Heat were up there with Boston and Miami and Philadelphia and Toronto. They're in that like second area where I think they're pretty good, but I think they're good. I think Miami's pretty good. Not certain, but I think they're pretty good. And to your original question, I think it's a longer rebuilding thing. And Charlotte's offseason right now could go anywhere from an A to an F in terms of how it plays out. And it's all dependent on LaMelo Ball. If he becomes this best player the franchise has had in really since it's gone back to Charlotte, then it's, it's a big win and he'll be worth $30 30 million dollars a year like they paid Gordon Hayward. If he's even average or doesn't turn into a great player, it sets the franchise back 5 to 6 years. And
0: he needs to be to like equivalent question. to their John Morant, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a that's a great example because it's star potential and he's the only guy on that roster, sorry Devonte Graham. He's the only guy on that roster that gives me star levels of potential. But to answer your original question, I think they're probably more closer to the thirty win range. I would probably set the over under around like thirty-one or thirty-two wins.
0: Which still might be good enough for an eight seed in the East because you know the NBA uh yeah, their playoff structure is weird.
1: And <laughs> yeah, they've got know. wild cards now, so you can get the ninth or tenth seed and get a one game play in. Wait, that got approved? I think I think the at least the same format that they did in the bubble where it's like eight and nine seeds uh, where we got like okay. If they're within a certain number of games, I think that's going to continue. But they're talking about ninth and tenth seeds, which that might be approved before we start the season.
0: I suppose that's fine, just given it was it's going to be another shortened year given the COVID situation. Okay, well, another obviously notable big headline that we didn't really get to touch on a lot last week was the Clay Thompson injury. Obviously, we were very excited to see Clay back in the league. We we're like encouraged by his road recovery. I think it was just a couple weeks ago that he was just deadlifting 400 pounds on his IG story. And then we get the news and it just kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, oh, Clay Thompson has a leg injury of some sort. No one said serious leg injury. And then next thing you know, yeah, well, it's Achilles. And God, as someone who worries about, rupturing my Achilles, just walking down the stairs in the morning. <laughs> that That is um, heartbreaking, especially coming off that ACL injury. Kyle, what are your thoughts on the Warriors? Are they closer to playoff team or are they closer to top 10 lottery team?
1: Ooh, let's see. So if we're talking just playoffs, I think they'll make the playoffs with Steph Curry alone, even if it's a 33-year-old Steph Curry. Um, then you factor in Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins and now Kelly Oubre and I guess Brad Wanamaker is their backup now, so that's kind of nice. They are in that class with Houston and Utah where things could go either way. They could make an OKC type of playoff run, or they could fall out of the playoffs. And this jump starts the rebuild where we're going to see them start selling off Draymond Green's, Andrew Wiggins, or in the case of these other teams, Westbrook's and Rudy Gobert's. I mean, and Clay Thompson specifically, like, this is, I would not wish this upon anyone because of how tough rehab can be, especially from a catastrophic injury like that. Um, For him to have to go through that without ever getting back on the floor, I'm just glad he gets to do that in Golden State, where they will continue to shower him with praise instead of Orlando or Washington, where he's... Kind of like he's got this bad contract that undoubtedly is really, really bad for the Warriors. They're paying him roughly a hundred million dollars over two and a half seasons to play no games for the Warriors. But they love him because he's Klay Thompson. He's going to have his jersey retired, and he's a champion in Oakland and San Francisco.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things that's least talked about at the moment. That Klay Thompson's contract from Bentler being one of the most sincere well-earned contracts and now being one of the biggest albatross contracts given his injuries and the uncertainty of how he comes back from these injuries. Obviously these are both very serious ones Had have back to back. He essentially went uh, opposite of a Boogie Cousins route because Boogie obviously coming off Achilles immediately tears his ACL and actually good for Boogie. I think he got signed by, I want to say the Bulls, if I'm not mistaken. This past uh, week, I just thought he signed a contract. It's the the
1: Rockets. It's either the Bulls or the Rockets.
0: I think it might be the Rockets, actually. I just remembered a red jersey tint. You know, everyone's doing their photoshops yes. there. And yes, it, it is absolutely the Rockets because that was making me think to my mind, oh, at this moment, James Harden is still on that roster. At this moment, Russell Westbrook's still on their roster. Do you think that the Rockets are going to go into the season with both those guys uh, on their starting five? Because we're starting to get a little closer here into December and I haven't heard much movement since last week.
1: They got to get an offer they cannot refuse. Simply put, they they have to be given an offer they can't refuse. Now, with the Westbrook, they're not getting any offers. But I think he's kind of stuck there at this point, unless they do this John Wall flip, who, by the way, like you mentioned earlier, did tear his Achilles walking down the stairs. If they get Brandon Ingram in a trade, they're going to pull the trigger on Harden. If they get Ben Simmons in a trade, they're going to pull the trigger on James Harden. If they get Chris Levert in a trade, they're not going to pull the trigger on James Harden. And so they have to get an offer they simply cannot refuse to move off of him this year. And like Steph Curry a year from now, because I'm so interested by what Steph Curry's next move is, is it continue to try and play this thing out with clay or is it strategize his own exit from golden state this next season and the coming off season. Um,
0: Interesting one there. I haven't heard too many people talk about Steph Curry and the potential for him leaving. I think most people just assumed he was in that Kobe tier where we just always associate him with one team, one organization. He's there for 20 years and we don't worry about it or think about it any other way. But the thought of Steph Curry as a free agent in a, age of player mobility. Everyone's on a new team. LeBron's on his third team. No one's having these like kind of careers where they just stay with the organization, that Dirk Nowitzki type career. Do you think that's a real possibility? If you had to put like a one to 10 scale of likelihood of that happening, where would you put that?
1: To go back to what you said a second ago I thought the exact same way about James Harden that he was going to be a rocket lifer and that seems to be not the case because he obviously just turned down an extension. I would um, say it's
0: his second organization though anyway for it's him.
1: fair enough but I, I kind of just associated like he is gonna have his jersey retired he can go the Kobe route get the sympathy contract and For the Warriors, it's just a question of, do you want this? And for Steph, do you want this? And on a one to 10 scale, I'd put it like if he retires a Warrior, I'd put it probably like a two or a three. But if it happens next year, like this is his last season in Golden State, I'd probably put it like much less likely. So probably, be. how about this? Being on Golden State's roster to start the 2022 season I'd put that at probably like a 7 or an 8 like it's very likely that that's the case because he hasn't played with Clay who of course they'll go down in the same way we we our brains go Shaq Kobe it's going to be Steph Clay. So I don't think Steph would bail and leave Clay Thompson there just to be there, but I agree with you. The Warriors would not be good with Steph Curry into his late 30s, but neither were the Lakers and when Kobe retired They finally started moving on. Four years later, they're a champion. Now, a big part of that was LeBron choosing to join them, but they still went the retirement route with Kobe. They tore down the model franchise. They won 19 games as last season, but they were going to see it through and through with an aging Kobe Bryant. And I don't know what the Warriors choose with Steph Curry.
0: Well, I guess with that, you would have to wonder, is Steph Curry, and we've seen him take pay cuts, obviously, you get the other guys on the roster before, as he does continue age, would he still want to be paid like a max player like Kobe did in his later career? Because that would be one of the biggest differentiators between the two. And his ability to shoot is so elite that I don't think that we'd have to worry about him. Even if he became more of a bench player, he could literally have that Ray Allen type of career later into his playing structure. And one thing, too, uh, you talk about the short-term like concerns and short-term earnings. Obviously, Joel Lakeup can't be too happy that he had to open his new stadium without Kevin Durant, without Klay Thompson, with Steph Curry for a few games, then he has the hand injury, then he's banged up the majority of the year. Then Corona happens. He has to close down. They're trying to make this new stadium in San Francisco like the place to be. They want to make Oracle the number one arena in the NBA. And obviously – I think a big way of doing that is by having your guys that you're in retired jerseys for on your team for as long as possible to the point where the only team that they associate is with the Warriors. But it is kind of funny because if I remember right, one draft day story is that Steph Curry's dad didn't want him to go to the Warriors. I want to say I read that one. Is that correct?
1: Not only that, is that Steph Curry was traded to the Phoenix Suns. It was done and done. The Arizona, I think it was the Arizona Republic, one of the newspapers in, in Arizona, had their cover of Steph Curry in a Suns jersey. And what happened was it was the former coach, I forgot his name now, of the Warriors, Donnie Nelson. Donnie Nelson had the trade for Amari Stoudemire, for Steph Curry, and they pulled the plug on the trade after it had already been accepted because of Amari Stoudemire's um, knee injuries. And because of that, they pulled the plug on the trade, they kept Steph Curry, and the rest is history now.
0: <laughs> and then Amari goes through the Knicks because the Knicks would make that kind of move
1: Yes, they thought they were going to get LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and so did the Bulls, Mm -hmm. but at least the Bulls didn't pay for Amari Stoudemire.
0: At least we don't have expectation of the Bulls to do anything post-Michael. The Knicks, obviously, every single news year, it's like, oh, who's going to go to the Knicks? Well, it turns out that the only ones profiting right now off of the Knicks are the fake jersey salesmen, you know? (laughs) You know they've been pitching the Giannis Antetokounmpo jerseys onto people for a while, uh, they had the Westbrook jerseys ready, I'm sure. Yeah, you, you know Sur- how they're, they're making their money out there.
1: Surprisingly, one of the most annoying fan bases I've in- encountered is Chicago Bulls fans, because for some reason, they will ride or die with Zach Levine. And it's very weird that they want to push Zach Levine into the All-Star game. And they're demanding that teams give up De'Aaron Fox if they want Zach Levine from the Bulls. It's very strange considering that they're undoubtedly like a 10th, 11th seed in the East, but Zach Levine can get you a lot of value right now in starting this transition process again. But
0: It's kind of a shame because I would love to see Zach Levine succeed in a Bulls uniform. I actually do like him as a player. Obviously, he's a fun athletic guy to watch. It reminds me to the coronavirus horse competition that we had to see as horrible uh, of a horse competition it was as it was, Zach, being at least had some fun dunks in there, which you expect of him. God, that yeah. was a miserable time. I was not thankful Gosh. for that. On an episode where we have to be thankful for things, I was not thankful that we had to watch that horse competition, or even worse, I thought the NBA 2K competition between the two was god-awful to watch. At least I liked, actually, when the MLB players did the MLB, the show version of it, because they were trash-talking, they were having fun with it, you just had them literally just silent, just playing their game.
1: It's like, the one takeaway I took from that was Hassan Whiteside saying he was amazing at 2K and then losing by like 40 in the first round.
0: <laughs> See, I won't even make that claim. I know I'm bad at 2K. That's why I'm not <laughs> going to trash talk. But if you make that claim as an NBA player and then get your ass kicked, yeah, you, you have a tough time moving that one down. Ronnie 2K has to take some points off your awareness for that one. Or Ronnie 1K. That's
1: fair. At this point, it's just a Hassan Whiteside thing, who I think is still available for the bidding for anyone who needs a backup center who is incapable of shooting. You can get yourself a Hassan Whiteside, or he'll be in China next year.
0: I, I think he'll find a home in the NBA. Uh, like I said, decent bench big at BASBA. And, you know, I was, obviously he wasn't where he was at that all star level in Miami. That's a long distant memory at this point.
1: Fair enough, but uh, Miami did make a lot of mistakes following that departure of the big three and Dwayne Wade leaving for Chicago, the, the Dion Waiters and Hassan Whiteside era of Miami basketball.
0: Hey, you got to give it to Aaron, Eric Spolstra for being able to survive that. Not too many coaches in the NBA could. <laughs>
1: it's a good loyalty they show towards him.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest key when, when it comes to the NBA coaching carousel. Uh, So many teams just are ready to move off their guy. That's why when it comes to like Brad Stevens, for example, I'm like, yeah, he hasn't had the biggest success that we would have liked. But at the same time, I'm not ready to move on from him because again, you have to tell me you're going to bring in a guy that's better. It's like the Jimmy G debate. And there's not a lot of coaches that I think are better than at this point than Brad Stevens. Like if you're really power ranked, the coaches at this point, there's only like one untouchable and that's Greg Popovich. And then when we get down to it, it's like, Everyone always talks about Doc Rivers, but I've never been a big Doc Rivers guy. Obviously, he's the only coach in NBA history and probably will be the only coach ever to say they lost three 3-1 leads. Ty Lu, is Ty Lu a top five coach? No.
1: For some reason, there is this group of semi-analytics people who I'm now dubbing the cult of Nick Nurse. And for some reason, they will defend Nick Nurse to a T no matter what, that he is the best coach in the NBA now because he is creative, because he gets the most out of his players. It's very strange. So I feel like I have to mention it so that the cult of Nick Nurse doesn't show up in my mentions.
0: I would say at least maybe Nick Nurse is a top 10 coach. Like seriously, ranking these coaches, how would you put it? Like who would you put in your top five?
1: Uh, I love a good coaching ranking. So, see, this is interesting with Doc Rivers because I wouldn't have fired Doc Rivers if I were the Clippers. Now, there's only so much they can really do because they can't trade any of their best players. There's not really anyone available better than Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. So, Doc Rivers is there for sure. Popovich, probably going to retire soon, but technically still there. Brad Stevens... Nick Nurse in there, Spo is up there, even though he's only had 150 win season without LeBron James. Oh, Quinn Snyder, yes. Quinn Snyder, Quinn yeah. Snyder the guy who looks like tax evasion, yes.
0: That's the only uh, one I, I put him up there because at least the team consistently performs.
1: People seem to like Alvin Gentry. I know he's not a coach anymore, but yeah. he seems the, to...
0: See, NBA coaches, I feel like they are one of the least appreciated coaches in the three major sports. Would you say that? I mean, obviously, I feel as though... NFL coach is number one far and away because they have a big part in the game planning. They're literally breaking down tape every minute of every day, nights, weekends, you name it. Um, MLB managers. Now that's an interesting one between an MLB manager and an NBA coach as far as importance to the team. You would say MLB managers, you know, they have to make those key bullpen decisions, but a lot of that has been taken out of their hands when it when you talk about the front offices having a little bit more control, the money ball era, the safer metrics game thrown in there. Obviously, we had that World Series moment when it came to Blake Snell that people are still roasting Kevin Cash for. <laughs> and then when it comes to basketball, it's, it really comes down to this. I mean, Steve, we didn't even mention Steve Kerr when we were talking about ranking, right? And Steve Kerr, yeah. that's one of those big question marks because it's like he has these Hall of Fame level players. Would he want a title if he was missing any one of those key ingredients there? Obviously, we just saw a year without Clay
1: and KD didn't look that great. <laughs> Yeah. And Steve Kerr is not like one of these guys who's like, I am a great offensive coach. Like I am great with a system. I know exactly what I want to do. Uh, When they were winning big, it was Alvin Gentry again was running the offense a lot like Dan Tony is the shadow coach this year for the Brooklyn Nets. Alvin Gentry moves on, Luke Walton fills that role. Luke Walton kind of becomes the offensive-minded coach who then ultimately translates that into Lakers and now Kings head coaching jobs even though I don't think he's actually as good as we're giving credit no. for. <laughs> but Steve Kerr is interesting. I think he he deserves credit for the coaching style that he uses, which is He's a guy who's going to keep everyone together kind of way, I guess. That's kind of why defensive coordinators get hired in the NFL is like, hey, this guy seems like he's good at keeping a unit together because unless they're like a super big defensive genius like Bill Belichick or allegedly Vic Fangio – I don't see much of an incentive to hire a defensive coach as a head coach, unless they're the Mike Vrabel guys who seems like they really like the players. I think that way kind of with Steve Kerr.
0: I feel like it helps for a Mike Vrabel where he's in that fraternity of that locker room. You know, like you mentioned, Steve Kerr was in the fraternity of that locker room. A lot of the players respect him because he won those titles with the Bulls. He won on those super teams. And that's why he was able to keep the super team dynamic that the Warriors had, keep everyone's ego in check until that final year, of course, where, you know, you have Draymond calling Katie a bitch from the sidelines. And that was probably one of those biggest examples of him mismanaging, even though in back, if this was back in the nineties, he would have been able to just straight up give Katie and Draymond some boxing gloves and just tell him to work it out. (laughs) But Steve Kerr, he was great for what that team needed, but I think that he's not a coach that they can rely on for a rebuild and I think that's what's going to come into play as these Warriors move into their next phase like is he's going to be the guy that develops James Wiseman into the next big star I don't know if I see it and I don't know if I see Steve Kerr there I think though he won't get fired from the Warriors I think that that'll be one of those splits where it's pretty amicable he goes back into the media the Warriors move into a full stage rebuild perhaps but yeah because I come on Steve Kerr. Yeah, that's one of the big question marks. NBA, MLB managers, who has more power? Uh, MLB yeah, managers are,
1: are interesting because I think MLB managers are a little below the NBA guys who are a significant level below like NFL, college, and hockey coaches. Again, I don't know that much about hockey, but I see them like actually designing plays and stuff. So I think it's fairly comparable. But I do think that and I, NBA coaches don't get a lot of credit while I say at the same time, I think they are less important to the success of a team than I think people like to think. But also I talk to people who are big like basketball people and they're like, yeah, coaches make this much of a difference because they're not like calling out plays and stuff. The plays are usually already predetermined, etc." cetera. I, he- I hear basketball people say, yeah, coaches do make a difference. And then I look at it and I see, well, It seems like players that you have makes all the difference when it comes to playing on a basketball team or playing winning basketball.
0: I mean, you look at LeBron. LeBron has never had to have, quote-unquote, a elite-level head coach throughout his career. In fact, he's pretty pretty much the coach. He wanted Eric Spolster fired when he was in Miami. There's a lot of people that thought he probably wanted Frank Vogel fired the second he walked into the Lakers' locker room. And now Frank Vogel at least can say he's a NBA Finals winning head coach. Does that mean that Frank Vogel's in the top five? No, probably not. Yeah, no, but, no. Sorry,
1: Frank Vogel, but I, yeah, I do think to, to the big three point. I think if the Heat at that time had been owned by David Griffin, I think Eric Spoelstra probably would have been fired. But the Heat kind of said, like, this is this is Pat's team. This is not LeBron's franchise. This is Pat Riley's franchise. He gets to call the shots over LeBron. In Cleveland, Cleveland is LeBron's franchise. In Los Angeles. I don't even know what to do there because like they didn't hire any of the sexy. Well, they tried to hire Ty Lu, but Ty Lu they did, they lowballed him and he ended up walking away. So I guess they kind of did what LeBron wanted. I I guess.
0: I thought midseason they were going to fire him and go with Jason Kidd. I thought that was fully what they were going to do whenever they decided. Oh, we're going to hire two coaches, two NBA coaches. I was like, okay, that sounds like a recipe for disaster, but it worked out. Frank Vogel was able to persevere. I do think he's a good coach. I just thought that with the, let's face it, at this point, we know LeBron has an ego. You know, uh, there's no denying I think it. Like, does. Even the biggest LeBron supporters, and I am considering myself among them, looks at LeBron and sees some of his um, happenstances with past coaches and thinks, yeah, like LeBron might have been a little bit more of a jerk in this one. Like, Was it really the coach's fault here? Do we really need to go fire the coach? I mean, you've seen that bleed over into, like, some of the other NBA culture. Obviously, what's happening out there in Brooklyn. Kenny Atkinson doesn't even last a full season with Kyrie and KD over there. Um, Yeah, NBA coaches, you just feel expendable if you're not on this, like, tier of guys who have won a title and not even won a title by your own coaching efforts but by just happen to be around greatness.
1: Or that the players want you to be the coach. That's especially the case for Brooklyn now because – Steve Nash was basically Kevin Durant's personal mentor back when he was in Golden State. And you could tell Kevin Durant had all of his gigantic handprints on the hiring of Steve Nash for sure. And Dan Tony's going to be the system guy. He's going to run the offense, of course, but Steve Nash is going to be the coach who relates to the players. And Katie and Kyrie want him as the head coach.
0: Yeah, I, I still haven't fully brought, bought into the Brooklyn dynamic myself. Personally, just given those players, I don't trust them. If Kyrie stays healthy with D'Antoni there, with which you think they're going to do system-wise with, obviously, Nash there, you would assume this is going to be his best numbers year he's had. Yeah, if they got Harden, if that really ended up happening, we said it last week, we're we in pretty firm agreement. That screams second-round exit. <laughs>
1: I think that they just on talent level alone would be good and it would be total chaos, but I at least want to see them try because it's new and exciting and fun. So it I would at least be fun to see it for
0: happen. a little bit. <laughs> It's like fun, like looking at a car crash. That's exactly the type of fun. Sort it is.
1: of. I mean, is Kyrie Irving... I assume if they're going to make this happen, which I, I don't think it's going to happen anymore, just because the Rockets are not going to give away Harden for pennies on the dollar. I'm interested to see how it happens. Like, is Kyrie going to acknowledge beforehand I'm going to score 17 points a game and be fine with scoring 17 points a game. And James Harden's like, I don't, I'm not going to score 33 a game. I'm going to score 25 and I'm going to have six less shots. And KD, you're the reason we're going to win. You're the reason that we're going to do this. If you can recapture the Kevin Durant before, who was, in my opinion, the best player in the world before tearing his Achilles.
0: Yeah. He would have to absolutely be the alpha in that locker room to kind of keep those other two guys in check It just from a pure basketball perspective never liked that it was a fun like photoshop but i i don't think that that's gonna happen like you said what is the incentive for the rockets to trade it none zero the the nets don't have the picks or anything to offer and obviously we know number one picks in the nba don't carry as much weight as if you told me this was the nfl
1: yes the rockets will do it if they can get a a star in return like a brandon ingram or maybe a paul george or whatever it might end up being but again they'd have to or Jamal Murray that's another one I'm still holding out hope for the Nuggets swinging a deal there
0: <laughs> that'd be interesting I'd like to see that one but This is message brought to you by the foundation for a perfect package Why do I need manscape? Why do I need manscape? Why do I need manscape? Because the only thrill I want is the one of ten Because being in a relationship it is not an excuse to be lazy. Because I like talking ball, not smelling like them. Because deforestation is proven to prevent forest virus. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming.
1: Manscaped's crop preserver guarantees that you smell your best all day long.
0: Manscaped boxer briefs the most comfortable underwear on the market. Manscaped's advanced skincare technology makes NYX a thing of the past. Manscaped is the number one in men's grooming. Subscribers get two free blade refills every three months, get 20% off, plus free shipping handling with the promo code SLUMP at manscaped.com. That's the promo code SLUMP at manscaped.com. Get your lawnmower 3.0 today. We are the Slump Busters. And we approve this message. guys this is juju talk sports you like sports betting right of course you do well let's bust that slump let me tell you about razorsport.com razor is a worldwide sports betting network all designed around helping you their diverse crew of handicappers produce plays the biggest sharps don't want you to know about go to their website right now and sign up for a free trial at razorsport.com that's razor r-a-z-e-r sport.com proud partners of the slump buster podcast check them out and enjoy the rest of the show All right, well, I think it's time to move on because we have some games in a couple days. We've got a lot of football to discuss that's coming up here shortly. The Thanksgiving Day late, I will say I am thankful for Thanksgiving, but I will actually counter by saying as a fantasy football owner or someone who's very involved in fantasy football, I actually yearly hate the Thanksgiving football games because obviously having one Thursday night game and having to make lineup decisions early in the week is bad enough, but when you have to do it with these three teams – and looking at these rosters, obviously Texans-Lions, football team Cowboys, Ravens-Steelers, there is going to be a lot of fantasy-relevant players that are going to be used in these matchups. Let's start off with the morning game. You have to wake. you're in San Diego, so you have to wake up bright and early for this one with a 9.30 Pacific Standard start time. The Houston Texans playing against the Detroit Lions. The Texans are opening as three-point favorites on the road. Texans don't really feel like a Thanksgiving Day team, but... I'll allow it. I'll allow them to go into Detroit and beat the Lions. What about you, Kyle?
1: I agree with you. The Lions. I, general rule: avoid picking Lions games at all costs. I have dabbled in that this year, and it is it is not fun to have the Lions just be the Lions and in terms of fantasy football that's a sore subject for me as someone who took Michael Thomas over Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook this year seems to be a difficult run and who had Nick Chubb and Chris Carson and Dak Prescott all on his team so yeah I'll go with you I like the Texans they'll they'll win that one straight up and cover that three-point spread because they have Deshaun Watson and as bad as the record shows which again they should have beat the Titans about six or seven weeks ago um, Tannehill had that great comeback with all that being said Deshaun Watson is still really really good and uh, the Lions are are kind of sputtering they're they're a fine team but not enough to keep Quinn and Patricia around another second longer after the season ends so Texans minus three I will roll with with that one
0: well they tell you a minus three line you generally go with who has the better player in the matchup and you're right Deshaun Watson he's the guy same logic I took last week when they played the Patriots the next game on our Thursday slate, our Thanksgiving Day slate, is going to be the Washington football team at the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I would say this actually does have a good Thanksgiving Day feel. This has that good rivalry-type feel. But the problem is, here in 2020, we're looking at both these teams with 3-7 and records, and the Cowboys are currently sitting at minus 3 as the home favorite. But I don't think anyone feels good about any of these teams or at least picking this game because the FC East has been such a coin toss at this point. Actually, I think the Cowboys, given the Eagles struggles, might be the favorites to win it. And it's odd because in my last power rankings, I had them as low as 31. But here we are today. <laughs> I'm have this whole division in the bottom third. And yet someone obviously is going to be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, and I think there's probably like three teams in the entire sport who wouldn't be winning this division at this point in the season, which, again, it's just a weird circumstance that's turned out to be. I'm going to be so mad if Alex Smith shows up on my television come January. Let's not have that happen, please. Just for the sake of good football, let's not have Alex Smith show up in the postseason.
0: Come on. I mean, the story, though. Him, you know, the NFL would love it. They would love to just, look, his first season back. He's in the playoffs. He's obviously, in my mind, NFL Comeback Player of the Year, regardless of anything that happens. I know Big Ben has a great story too, but this man had an E60. Give him that trophy.
1: It is gruesome, by the way. You should check that out for anyone who hasn't yet. It's not that this is what happened there. The feel-good story is, oh, my God, Alex Smith is about to play. This is everyone is happy. Everyone's excited about this. And then it all evaporated when we we remembered Alex Smith is five-yard checkdowns and boring football for three quarters. And then at the end of the game, he's going to make the one throw that gets you back in the game. And they will probably end up winning or they'll already be blown out at that point. And so that's just been Alex Smith for 15 years. And I don't want to see that ever again in the playoffs. So <laughs> I'm going to roll with the red rifle at, it was what, minus two and a half or minus three? this
0: week? Minus three. So a full field
1: goal. Minus three, I will roll with the red rifle and the Cowboys this week. Even though I do really love Chase Young, I love Ryan Kerrigan. Defense has been pretty good for Washington. I will roll with my boy, the red rifle this week.
0: I think given Andy Dalton's more pocket presence a lack there of a pocket mobility, the Redskins, almost said
1: it. <laughs> I call football, them the racial slurs at
0: this point. <laughs> I, I just, I struggle. And you know, I've been calling them the Redskins for 20 plus years. So it's going to, it's hard to backtrack on just, you know, what I've known. <laughs> so yeah. I'll call them the football team. out of respect, but just know every now and then I'm gonna slip up, and I'll actually—I won't edit that one out. That's full disclosure. That's gonna be on yeah. there. Um, I, I
1: ignore it when when it happens to people. I'm like, I get it. It's yeah. It's not skip, the end of the world. skip
0: does it. Shannon does was, it. It happens. I, I was actually, calling
1: them the I was calling them the the San Diego Chargers for like three years after they left. I was calling them the Oakland Raiders. Still, it, it'll work its way out slowly but steadily.
0: Um, anyway, you know, like I, I, I'll go with the football team the point I was trying to make I think that their defensive line will cause a lot of issues for a quarterback like Andy Dalton with his skill set I don't know if they'll be able to get away with smashing pumpkins again because obviously Shannon Sharp decided to call out Mike McCarthy over that one which has to be one of the silliest 2020 headlines I think I've seen in a while but either way we're going to be split on this regard I'm going with the football team you're going the Cowboys we're going into the Thursday night game, which is going to be the Ravens and the Steelers. And the Ravens are hanging on to a thread with their season. This is a game that they absolutely cannot lose. If they go six and five with how good the Raiders have looked, with how good the Titans, the Colts, that dynamic is looking because one of those teams is going to lock down a wild card. And then you have the Browns. You have the Dolphins are fighting. It's hard. It's a competitive wild card race. If they lose and go to six and five, and obviously they've lost the division at this point already, they're not going to be able to make the playoffs. That's why, despite the five-and-a-half-point line in favor of the Steelers, I'm going with the Ravens to save their season this Thursday.
1: Well, I hope we get this game because the Ravens have a bunch of COVID tests at this point, and so their facility's been shut down now. So I'm hoping that we have – it would be a true 2020 moment if our Thanksgiving night football game ends up being postponed because of COVID. But
0: (laughs) – You get nothing. You get Cowboys and football (laughs) team – and bad <laughs> cold turkey.
1: <laughs> yeah, so if they flex that into the Sunday night game, that would be uh that would be a true twenty twenty moment. It would be even more twenty twenty if we got the Texans and Lions flexed into that Sunday night game, actually. Actually we talked about this on Tuesday's podcast about how Baltimore is at a total crossroad at this point because they're gonna have to like rethink their franchise at this point going forward and specifically that wide receiver position because their passing game is broken just broken the same way the Chargers were broken last year that's where Baltimore's at the Chargers turned it around they drafted Herbert they put gave Austin Eckler the keys and obviously he's been hurt so The record hasn't shown for it, but the offense has improved year over year. Baltimore needs something like that. They need a A.J. Green. They need a Marvin Jones. They need a Will Fuller. They need a receiver in the first two rounds this year. They need to rethink that whole thing at this point. And I will take the Steelers and give them the five and a half to cover because Baltimore cannot pass the football and because the Steelers have a really, really good defense not just secondary but a really good defense period and as shocking as it is i I do think that baltimore is not going to make the playoffs or at the very least they can make a run to get to 10 and 6 and sneak in as the seventh wild card team
0: well if their game gets canceled there's also a chance that they may get that eight seed because
1: that's apparently
0: been on the talks that's uh, one of those nfl rumors so it actually might work in their benefit to get this game canceled via corona one day the thing like okay let's get all these positive tests hey uh did you see someone on the street hey can you cough on me can you cough in my mouth I I, I need to (laughs) I need to get a thing I need to get a playoff spot
1: (laughs) Uh, or it would be even funnier if that happened and then it only got like the dolphins a playoff spot out of all of it which
0: we'll get to the dolphins here in a minute because there's some (laughs) interesting discussions going on there as well but uh, the next one, uh, next game coming up is going to be the Las Vegas Raiders going into Atlanta now. The Raiders have been one of the nicest surprises of the season. and It's almost a shame that on that Sunday night game that they didn't have a raucous Las Vegas crowd to welcome them in as they fought tooth and nail with the Chiefs. That, that would have been exciting to see. But they're going on the road. They get to play the Falcons. And if the Raiders could continue their offensive hotness their prowess that they've been able to exemplify this season they should have no problem picking to park this falcons defense i want to pick them i'm going to take it with the points i think they're good on the road
1: i know all the reasons to pick the raiders in here and they've looked really good but they've also looked really bad at times so They're a mixed bag this year, but because you slandered my boy Matt Ryan earlier, I'm just going to double down and take Matt Ryan for the plus three because I am feeling some Atlanta this week for no reason other than they're just like the weirdest team ever for four consecutive years. They are always 350 yards, three touchdowns, one pick both teams are going to score in the 30s and they'll win about 50 percent of the games at the end because when it's a shootout every single game you're going to win about half of them and so
0: over under for this one is 55 and a half points I could see, see that. this one is interesting
1: over. because yeah this is interesting because the Falcons are also coming off a week where they had like nine points against the Saints which by the way if they had had one of those shootouts they probably would have beat the Saints but not so and the Raiders defense is fine I love Crosby and Cleveland Furl. they're both really good on the ends but apart from that there's not a lot of sexy going on for the Raiders right now so without any conviction, because the one thing worse than picking Lions games is picking Falcons games. I will take the Falcons plus three.
0: I will say that this might be somewhat related, but Justin Herbert, first game without his stylish hair, managed to get the W. Now, it happened happened to be against the Jets, but still, he managed to get a win without the hair with his, his reversion back to, I don't know, Middle school haircut. Uh, The Chargers are going into Buffalo this week. Buffalo is a five and a half point favorite. Uh, Buffalo, I believe, is also coming off a bye, if I'm not mistaken, as well. All those factors kind of give Buffalo the advantage, especially a West Coast team going East Coast, morning game. Yeah, I'm going with the Bills.
1: See this? You're talking to a guy who, at the beginning of the season, had the Bills going six and ten, and Josh Allen being replaced right. as a starting quarterback. <laughs> if you remember the last time I was here, that was uh, that was not very good, considering that I was uh, I was not a Bills guy. But I have come around. I have apologized officially to Josh Allen, and he is now in that Jameis Winston territory of he can be good. Great and just god awful all in the same game in the same quarter. So it's just it's fun to watch the Bills. I I will go with you with the Bills for no reason other than the lack of talent for the Chargers. Just a lack of talent across the board compared to what the Buffalo Bills have. And Justin Herbert is really good. He was started the game 17 for 19, 225 yards, two touchdowns versus the Jets. Obviously that's a little bit of like target practice, but he, he's really good and the rest of the team is devoid of talent. So beginning of a rebuild for the Chargers.
0: Well, I would say for the Chargers benefit, I mean, you got Keenan Allen there. You got Hunter Henry there, Mike Williams. Those are solid pieces on offense. Uh, defensively, Joey Bosa, I think they're going to move on from Malvin Ingram this coming season as well. So that might be a little bit what you're saying there as far as rebuild. They want to fix that offense line. At their minimum, Justin Herbert has made them must watch. And I think that that's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out when they go into SoFi next year with hopefully some fan attendance next year. This is going to be one of the better games in the morning slate. Bills, Chargers, I think I'll probably put this on if I had nothing else to choose between. Next one up is going to be less exciting to watch, mostly because of this big storyline surrounding it. The New York Giants are going into Cincinnati, five and a half point favorites. And unfortunately, we have to say, get well soon, Joe Burrow. We'll see you next year. One of the most ugly injuries we've had seen. Another victim of the FedEx field. Yeah, (laughs) man, it sucks. It sucks because... Not only was I really enjoying him on my fantasy team, him and Justin Herbert literally saved our season in a QB league, but was one of the more honest interviews, like down earth guys, considering how bad this Bengals team is, it was nice to at least have Joe Burrow on the television screen whenever you put them on. Now we don't have that. The Giants, we talked about an NFC East matchup earlier in the show here with the Thursday game being a very, very big one for the division. The Giants still have a chance to win this division, obviously, sitting at three and seven.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On the road, almost a touchdown favorite. I think that's a little bit high, but I, given Ryan Finley is going to be starting, I got to go with the Giants.
1: Yes, the the Bengals will not win another game the rest of the season. Um, I can feel very confident in that. Um, For people just interested in the inner workings of football, there's a great article about Zach Taylor and the Bengals by Sports Illustrated. You can just type that into the old Google, Zach Taylor's Sports Illustrated article. You can find that. The question is just whether or not they will cover the spread. And five and a half, man, that is, I'm just going to avoid this game altogether in my five locks of the week, which are just barely over 500 this year. But I will roll with the Giants. I'll say the Giants five and a half. They'll win the game, no question. It's just the, the point spread is difficult because put the Bengals roster side by side with the Jets and the, uh, the Jets without Sam Darnold and the Jaguars with Jake Luton and you're not going to get much of a difference.
0: I guess you would say the Giants, their defenses looked really good this year or at least look like it's trending in the right direction versus a quarterback who is going to be starting following a major injury. I think that that is obviously going to be the big recipe for success there. And then I've noticed with the Giants, they've started to use Daniel Jones more as a runner, and he's been very effective. I've heard the nickname thrown out there, Vanilla Vic. And I got to say, I'm rolling with it. I like it. <laughs> I like it. It's better, Danny Dimes versus – Vanilla Vic, I think I'm going Vanilla Vic every day.
1: Oh, I am too, like 100%. I am taking that. I'm taking Vanilla Vic 100% of the time. That is a fantastic I'm going to roll with that now. I'm just going to roll with that from now on. Because I love when we just have these creative nicknames. Like, I've been calling Big Ben Jimmy burger for like three weeks now. And so, oh, no, he doesn't like, Niners fan doesn't like that. <laughs>
0: <Just> <laughs> like, the, hate, yeah. the hate is strong <laughs> within this one.
1: <laughs> Oh, it's, 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 they're just not letting Big you go to the player haters the ball <laughs> 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 they're just not letting him throw farther than 20 yards so I forgot we can't too.
0: watch the show anymore guys so we're not allowed <laughs> to do that according to Dave Chappelle which I approve of yeah
1: that's right yes uh, that's right he got he got it taken off of Netflix that's kind of cool
0: yeah well, apparently Netflix just valued their partnership with him personally more than they valued it with uh, Viacom and Comedy Central which could cost them in the long run in terms of obviously Viacom has way more shows than Chappelle show. Hopefully that's yeah. not a huge thing, but I think what's going to end up happening is Viacom's going to probably renegotiate their deal with Dave Chappelle to try and make it a little bit more of a mutual partnership than basically Viacom telling Chappelle, hey, you signed a contract 20 years ago, go fuck yourself.
1: Yeah, I think that might be the case. But it's interesting how this works because obviously, for those who are listening, if you don't know the background with Dave Chappelle and The Chappelle Show, I would Google it and read about it. I don't have time to explain all of it. Um, but it's interesting because now that he's become this like big, larger-than-life like philosophical comedian, a lot of this old work is coming to surface and he holds a lot more influence over not just Netflix, but also Netflix and their partnership with Viacom cbs i.e comedy central
0: well netflix has to keep all their entertainers under contract happy because a lot of people are hitting that unsubscribe button on them quick i'm probably one of them because they keep jacking up the prices and losing more shows it's starting to get to the point where it's like uh do i really want this netflix subscription probably don't i have hulu i have amazon prime
1: Yeah, we are in this amazing space right now where basically you can get, if one person has a Netflix subscription, you can share with like five different users. You can basically get this labyrinth of TV movies with like big time actors and stuff for like $3 a month. And obviously that's gonna go away at some point. And I think right now we're just living in this wonderful space where we're getting things cheap. And soon supply and demand will catch up to it. And, you know, we'll see how it works out over time. But I understand, as someone who does not subscribe to streaming platforms myself, um, I understand a little bit of the nuances of not wanting to pay for Netflix because you don't use it as much as you did before.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, where were we? Okay, so we both said the uh, Giants are rolling Vanilla on the Bengals. Yeah, <laughs> we're on Vanilla Vic. I'll, I'll stay tuned for when that meme starts to drop <laughs> on comical sports memes. <laughs> Keep an eye out for that. All right. Uh, here's a good one. A really good one. Obviously, uh, in the morning slate, you have the Tennessee Titans at seven and three versus the seven and three Colts. The Colts are three and a half point favorites in this game. Seems a little. Yeah. Seems a little high for me. I thought this game might be a point. Hell, I even thought it might be a coin flip. But uh, Vegas is making a bold decision by naming a favorite here. The Colts had to play a little bit of comeback duty when it came against the Packers last week. The Titans have had their moments. I don't know. I mean, obviously, they had to win on a big overtime Derrick Henry grown-ass man touchdown. <laughs> um, damn. You know, when I, you know what I always have to do, though, when a game is this close? defer to my guest Kyle go for it
1: (laughs) I'm interested to see where the experts move the line on this one because last time they were all in on the Colts and they nailed it because the Colts whooped up on the Titans on Thursday Night Football zero zero points in the second half for the Tennessee Titans and the Colts have the best defense in the league no ifs ands or buts about it they are the best defense in the league when you go down the line from Leonard to DeForest Buckner, to Grover Stewart, Anthony Walker, Justin Houston, all the way down to Kenny Moore in the secondary and Xavier Rhodes being better than Stephon Gilmore this year, despite all the slander he got last season. It is the best defensive unit across the board. Um, I don't know which way I would go with this because, again, the offense for the Colts has been remarkably good the last two weeks. The, the first time they played the Titans and against the Packers. Just Phillip Rivers is averaging near, close to 300 yards in each of those last two games while completing, I think, like 70% of his passes, a little less than that. Um, gosh, I don't know whether it keeps up or not, but I will, for now, take the Titans plus three and a half. To win that game in Indianapolis, because I think the Titans and Colts are fairly even teams, and I expect them to to ultimately split the season series, and for more likely than not, thanks to Gardner Minshew in Week One, the Titans to get the number four seed in the AFC playoffs, and for the Colts to maybe play them in the wild card or play as the the, the five or six seed, depending on how this falls between them and the Browns and the Raiders and the Dolphins.
0: I like it. When you consider these teams, how like, close they are, as you mentioned, it's hard for a team in these positions to just straight up sweep their opponent. So I'm going to go with the Titans. I think that Vrabel is the type of guy that relies on bulletin board material to motivate his players. And I would say the fact that they beat you just a, a couple weeks ago, I think is the ultimate bulletin board material to have. Obviously, this is the type of year, time of year where Derrick Henry starts to go in cruise control as well. And I think that we're going to see them start to rely on him more. It will just be interesting to see if the Colts can stop him. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans on the road to take the lead in the division. Okay. Next up. uh, Probably don't have to put too much analysis into this one. Um, I was disappointed in the Vikings because they were positioned with a win. If they could have beat the Cowboys, which they should have beat the Cowboys this past week, they could have went on a little run here and potentially snagged a wild card. But at 4-6, and six, walking into the 4-7 and seven Panthers, it's not looking great for them. They are four-point favorites at home. I think Teddy Bridgewater might be back this week. He was close to starting last week. But, God dang, those Panthers, they are a feisty team. And I think I like them plus four in this game.
1: Uh, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the 49ers. Nobody wants the Kirk Cousins experience. Nobody wants the Kirk Cousins experience on their team, but ultimately I'm going to take the Vikings in this one because of their offense going up against a Carolina defense that it's good, not great. Um, Obviously there are some chances for improvement down the line because they have young guys, Brian Burns, Derek Brown, uh, Yatur Gross Matos has been hurt for most of the year, but he was their second round pick last year. So Good, not great. They're getting there. Um, and if I take minus four now on the Vikings, I can still lock that in just in case PJ Walker starts and that line starts moving in favor of the Vikings. So <laughs> maybe hedging my bet a little bit, but I, w- I will take Minnesota minus four to defeat the Carolina Panthers, who somehow have four wins, as strange as it seems.
0: Quick fantasy take. devin Cook should be set up for a monster game against that Carolina defense as well. Just throw yes, that in should. there. Okay. Another good one, Um, the Arizona Cardinals at two-and-a-half-point favorites are going on the road into New England to face the New England Patriots. Um, Hmm. You know, this is the type of matchup in which I like an upset. I'm going to go with the Patriots. And for no other reason other than Bill Belichick, when it comes to facing younger QBs and younger inexperienced coaches, he tends to have the matchup advantage in that game. I know they've been having ride the Cam Newton roller coaster, but I think that that roller coaster is going to inch forward for a W this week. Give me New England at home.
1: Much like the Titans and Colts game, I would def- me personally, I would defer to whatever the experts go with. Like say the line moves farther towards Arizona, like to three four points. I'll know big money is going on Arizona. So I take Arizona. If it goes the other way, I'll take the Patriots. Um, In the short term, I'll take Arizona and I'll take Arizona because of New England's inability to move the ball in the passing game. And Demir Bird has been fine so far this season. Um, I forgot the other guy's name who has replaced Edelman at this point. Um,
0: Jacoby Myers.
1: Jacoby Myers. Thank you. you know that you know it's bad when i i can't name wide receivers on the patriots you know things of our
0: name undrafted quarterbacks that end up becoming wide receivers for the patriots
1: (laughs) that too that too they've got one on ir and edelman will be back sooner or later but um their inability to pass the ball i think is going to come back to haunt them and uh i obviously arizona has no problem moving the ball they're the most efficient offense in football that that rating may have changed this week because they did not have a great game versus the Seahawks. So they may be farther, but headed into that week, they were the number one most efficient offense in football. So I'll take Arizona. I like two and a half. It seems fine for now. But again, if you're listening to my actual advice, I'd look at what the line is come Sunday morning versus what it is on Tuesday afternoon.
0: <laughs> uh, I think Stefan Gilmore might be back too. I th- was hearing that could be a bit of a game changer in terms of at least t- locking down, obviously, Kyler Murray's number one target and DeAndre Hopkins. I think that could play a lot into this game. But again, young team going in Foxborough. I like Bill to come through with the win in this game. Like I said, the Patriots, and we talked about this last time you were on were the AFCs. Patriots were just going to be one of those average teams, not great. The roster wasn't well constructed. Obviously, that's part Bill Belichick's fault there. But here they are, four and six. I don't think seven and nine, eight and eight is too much of an impossibility at this point. Um, okay, well, The AFC East, um, the the Dolphins are vying for a wild-card spot at this moment, and they're going to get a lot of help because they get to play the Jets this week. Jets 0-10. Miami's a seven-point favorite. Tua is going to be the starter in this game. Uh, Tua obviously got benched. He didn't look good against Denver. Um, The perfect remedy when you get benched for a poor performance, play the Jets. (laughs) They already gave up three touchdowns to one rookie quarterback the previous week. Will they give up three touchdowns to another rookie quarterback this week?
1: This is interesting because the Jets did cover the spread last week. So if you did did. bet the Chargers, you would have lost on that one. Chargers Um, suck
0: for betting. That's, That's for sure.
1: Yes. The Chargers are, are in that tier right above betting the Lions and the Falcons. Just slightly better, but also equally awful trying to bet the Chargers. I think the Broncos might be in that category also, who beat the Dolphins last week. Um, I think people who are freaking out about the Tua benching are playing the results more than they are like genuinely concerned that this is a problem with Tua. Now, am I sold on Tua? No. Do I think it was the right decision to put him in when they did? Yes. Do I think it's the right decision now? Of course, there, there's not much of an upside to put Fitzpatrick in. Um, but the Dolphins really want to make the playoffs. And the difference between not making the playoffs this year is the eight or nine seed and being the seven seed going into next year is actually a bigger difference than people realize. There's a great study done by, um, I forgot the book, but basically they did it with golf and how golfers who made the cut by one shot versus golfers who missed the cut by one shot. Those who made the cut like had an exponentially better chance of winning because of the the good mojo of like accomplishments. So I think the Dolphins are set up well to make the playoffs. Now it might come down to just tiebreakers at 10 and 6 between them and Cleveland and they might miss out on the playoffs. But um, all of this is analysis to ignore the fact that the Dolphins are going to win this game. They're going to win it handily, and the Jets are going to go to, what is this, 0-11 now? I think 0-11 for the Jets at this point.
0: I wonder if it only being a touchdown line is related to how Tua performed last week, though. I mean, let's face it, the guy didn't even throw for 100 yards. He looked bad. It, it's, I, I don't think you can overrate how bad he looked against Denver um you took like six sacks and most of them were kind of his fault for holding on to the ball too long if his first read wasn't there he just wasn't going to just miss sail the throw or just again eat it
1: i was watching the broadcast and then they showed the you know how they like at the beginning of the game will show the the rankings on the season it was like miami is 30th in rushing 22nd in passing and scoring offense they're like 27th in the league and i didn't realize for a team that is this close to the postseason? Like they are just a slight level above the Chicago Bears in this great defense, top seven, I think right now in the league. I haven't seen the numbers for this week, so I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And an offense that is largely ineffective. And, And you're right, it was a lot of punts. It was a lot of three and outs. It was uh, they can't really run the ball which was a problem back when they had miles Gaskin and now is even more of a problem when they have the guy whose name I know it's like s so yes and I just didn't know I just know that he's there at this point an undrafted guy running the ball and it I just the dolphins have been largely ineffective offensively and if If they decide Tua is their guy and they're not going to, like, trade all their draft picks to go get Justin Fields, which is probably not even an option right now, um, they're going to do big things this offseason. They're going to bring back Miami native T.Y. Hilton on a one- or two-year contract. They're going to draft a wide receiver. They might trade for – I propose they might trade for Terry McLaurin. They might trade the house for Michael Thomas. They're going to do stuff to build this offense up and hopefully protect Tua and give him weapons to work because right now he's throwing to Jakeem Grant and Mike Jacecki and Devonte Parker is fine. Parker, who I think there's like twenty five or so receivers that are better than Devonte Parker. Though. Yeah,
0: 100%. that's fine. But I, you can win with a receiver that's in that twenty six to thirty range.
1: <laughs> Look at the that's, 49ers.
0: <laughs> I mean, hey, I don't have Debo Samuel's as a top thirty wide receiver. I mean, sometimes you you can get away with a bunch of B players. Um, you just have to have an A at quarterback if that's the case. And I don't or think. Or
1: your, your margin for error becomes much smaller, like the yeah. 49ers and the Saints.
0: Yeah. So I think if, when it comes to, to obviously, actually, we talked about this, it is kind of a downgrade going from even the offense he played in, in college, where you have Ruggs, where you have Jerry Judy, where you have <laughs> their tight end, where you have Smith, where you have. Najee Harris, you know, you have all these guys and then you go to Miami where your top guy is Devontae Parker. And yes, Devontae Parker is the first rounder himself, but all three or four of those guys I mentioned are probably going to be in the first round blue chip players. So it it was kind of a downgrade in terms of the offense he was in in college to the offense he is in the pros. But all that to say, if you're right, if they surround him by talent, they go out there, get these A plus free agents that should be able to help him next year. Uh, And when it comes to the question on whether or not, should should Miami look as far to quarterback in the draft next year? It's like, well, you can, but at that range, similar to where the Niners are going to be drafting, you're looking at, do you believe in Trey Lance over Tua? Do you believe in Zach Wilson over Tua? Is the gap that big to where you can make that adjustment? And- I don't think it, I don't think it is. I don't think it's fair for us to evaluate after one year or even just after three games of Tua, whether or not he's better than Zach Wilson. I don't think this is a Josh Rosen, Tyler Murray debate.
1: I agree with you. And the Dolphins are obviously making that evaluation right now because again, he's been good, not great, but he also hasn't been asked very much. So one game, two games, not even four games of a sample size is enough to know how good he actually is. In the case of the Cardinals, which is obviously the notable example, they had a regime change and that regime said, hey, we're going to hire Cliff Kingsbury and we're going to pair him with the perfect quarterback for the air raid system in Kyler Murray. Now it may have been the other way around. It's like we can get Kyler Murray with the first pick and so we're going to pick a coach that works well with him. But yeah, I, I, I expect fully that Miami, they drafted to a, they're committed to Tua they're going to get T.Y. Hilton and Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas and whatever else they're going to do and try and build a really good wide receiver court where instead of being your Stephon Diggs, Devontae Parker can be your Cole Beasley.
0: And at the same time for the listeners, don't evaluate him after this week because, again, they are playing the Jets. And again, we (laughs) picked the Dolphins to roll over the Jets this week, moving into the next game.
1: All of this was just fluff so that we didn't have to talk about this game that's going to be awful.
0: <laughs> exactly. Pretty much. We didn't even talk about the game. We just talked about <laughs> Tua because that's the What do you need
1: game. to know? It's Joe Flacco and it's Frank Gore and it's Denzel Mims. <laughs> God, is Sam
0: Darnold really that banged up? I,
1: maybe I, I, like,
0: undervalued the injury because I, I when I saw Joe Flacco was starting again this week, I was like, Really? But you know, it's, he, a,
1: it's a shoulder injury and in that it, it may be something worse. They haven't done anything, but I think they're protecting their goods for a future trade. I don't
0: know. Is it protecting them though? Because with the last game take that Sam Darnold put out there, wouldn't it be better to have him play and hopefully put out a better production than what we saw early in the year? If you're trying to increase his
1: value. I think he is genuinely hurt. I think the the concern is, if he play, if he's healthy enough to play, hurt, because I think there's, I assume based on what we're hearing, there's probably like a slight tear in the shoulder um, where he could probably play through it, but you're risking a, a future, a potential worse injury, which is it's football. You're gonna have a potential worse injury concern on every play, but B, if he's ineffective can it be chalked up to the shoulder and will teams use that against them? So I assume he's, he's not a healthy scratch, but I assume based on the fact that he played a game or two games, it's an injury he could probably play through that. They're just being careful about.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, next game up, uh, speaking of again, so the dolphins get a scheduling break as they get to face the jets to increase their playoff odds. Well, so do the Browns. They get to play the Jacksonville Jaguars on the road. They are touchdown favorites going into this game. The game plan should be easy. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, run it down Jacksonville's throat until they just give up and want to leave the field. Go ahead and give me the Browns. I'm even going to take them with the plus seven or the minus seven.
1: I think Jake Luton is either two and one or three and oh against the spread this year. So it's been like they are the ultimate backdoor cover team at this point, Um, which is tempting, but. But ultimately, I do think that the the Browns are the cream of the crop in terms of that like second tier of teams that includes like them, the Dolphins, the Raiders, and Baltimore. Um, I think they'll probably be the sixth seed in the playoffs or the fifth seed, depending on how tiebreakers fall with the Colts, um, or maybe the Titans, depending on whether the Colts win this weekend. Um, the Browns will make the playoffs, um, and I love that running game. They're not they're not asking a lot of Baker Mayfield. They are disguising Baker Mayfield. And ultimately that's going to help them be a better team. Um, Because again, we don't know how good Baker Mayfield is. Um, And if they disguise him with this rushing attack that models what the Vikings are doing with Dalvin Cook, what the Packers are doing with Aaron Jones and what the the 49ers and Rams are doing with their running back committees, um, all of them coming from the same offensive schemes, Um, I think that the the Browns can be a largely effective offense with a defense that has so much talent. Like it is a really, really talented defense, a very injured defense, but still you're talking Denzel Ward. You're talking Miles Garrett being that well, Miles Garrett with COVID concerns. of
0: course. Denzel Ward. I actually just saw on ticker like two hours before we recorded, he has a serious calf strain. He's going to be out the next three weeks.
1: Okay, good to know. So, like I said before, banged up but really talented defense for the Browns. Um, I will pick the Browns because it's seven. If that moves to, like, eight and a half, I think value play, I would take the Jaguars if it's multiple scores.
0: But overall, win the game. Browns should yeah. have yeah. no trouble here. They're going to roll over the, the Jaguars. The
1: Jaguars, Bengals, and Jets will not win another game this year. All three of them will not win another game
0: yeah I think now it's a competitive Justin Fields race there because we've already said well Jets are Trevor Warren's
1: bound well to be fair if the Jets do win one game they'll both be one in 15 and we have to do weird tiebreakers to decide who gets that pick.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well let's hope it doesn't come to that especially if you're a New York Jets fan you're just praying Jets don't do anything stupid (laughs) now that's a good enough reason as any to display Joe Flacco right um, all right. Well, let's see here. The Broncos have to be filling themselves after last week. Everyone was expecting the Miami Dolphins just to roll into town, beat them in Denver, and walk out with that victory. That did not happen. They were able to hold strong at home. Drew Locke didn't look great. Obviously, he had a big pick to start the game to Xavier on Howard. But against the New Orleans Saints, 8-2, currently leading the NFC. Based off what the Saints did last week, Are they going to be good enough coming in this game to do it again? I think it usually takes the league a few games to catch on to these type of offenses that they're running with Taysom Hill right now. Um, I don't think the Broncos will be well enough prepared. Certainly Vic Fangio, obviously I'm very experienced with watching Vic Fangio defenses when he was with the Niners. They had enough trouble when they were trying to contain Russell Wilson they've always had trouble trying to contain mobile quarterbacks. And I think that that is going to be a problem when they have to deal with Taysom Hill, at least for a game. And I think that's going to be good enough for the Saints to win. And this is the one they're going to really need as you know they continue to try and separate from the rest of the pack in the NFC.
1: Uh, what was the line on this game again?
0: Six points for the Saints, which is kind of a little bit much on the road, given, again, we're on a backup quarterback. I think I yeah. saw a stat that Sean Payton is like five and one with a backup quarterback now at this point in his career.
1: Yeah. They were like five and O oh or, or four and one last year with Teddy Bridgewater. So zero oh for
0: Teddy. Um, obviously one and know oh this year. And I think they maybe had to do it a couple more times without breeze before.
1: Yeah. I remember that one year they were playing the Panthers or something and they had a, uh, one of those old quarterbacks, like a Billy Volek type, but I'm not sure who it was. Um, there's a weird thing like the Broncos over the last, like, like after they won the Super Bowl, like five or six years ago, they're like, their home runs, their home road splits are pretty ridiculous in terms of they don't really win on the road, but they win a lot at home. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, Denver's a hard
0: place to play. It's tough. You know, I mean, you can't underrate elevation. I'm from New Mexico. I get it. That mile high feel it's different whenever you go from sea level back and forth um will it affect the saints obviously new orleans right at sea level i mean it's kind of an arbitrary thing when you're talking about I, this is more of the stuff that vegas experts talk about when they're setting these lines and everything like that in terms of winning the game sheer talent the saints should have no trouble winning this
1: but, yeah th- this is it's tough because it's football and anything can happen in football like i think that the didn't the saints lose to the raiders earlier this year in true. pretty resounding fashion
0: here's what i'll um, look at is What's the weather going to be like? Because the Saints have <laughs> not played well outside, and Denver, it's starting to get that time of year already. You well, know?
1: Drew Brees has not played well outside. This is the Taysom Hill show now, my friend. This well, is the Taysom,
0: Taysom Hill didn't exactly show off the best arm strength last week. Uh, one notable highlight that people are putting out there is that Emmanuel Sanders' deep
1: shot that didn't exactly make it all the way home. So this may have been a, a, like, fooled by the internet thing, but I thought someone said that it, like, nicked the AC unit at the top of the stadium, which may have just been a joke. Yeah, (laughs) I don't think he's got that
0: trajectory.
1: (laughs) It's fun to think about that idea.
0: Um, Bright and sunny, but 40 degrees,
1: 44 degrees? Yeah. I'll roll with the Broncos. I'll roll with the Broncos. I'll take the six points with no conviction that they'll win, but they'll at least keep it close.
0: So you're feeling the Saints to win the game, but you're feeling the Broncos to beat
1: the spread? More so, I'm feeling the Saints to not cover the spread. Not cover the spread. Okay. Which is, again, the same thing. I'll take the, I think the Saints will win the game, but it'll be within the six point spread.
0: Okay. Well, you know, we'll see how that Niners hate goes this week, as they will be playing the Los Angeles Rams. They will be in Los Angeles. They are touchdown underdogs coming off a bye week. I will say this, and this is homerism aside, coming off of a bye week, when you do have a coach, or at least a coach that's highly respected, like Kyle Shanahan is, this is generally when we see some of the better game planning. I think that their game plan that they had against the Rams just a couple weeks ago was fantastic, and I fully expect them to implement something similar. They should be getting Richard Sherman back, Raheem Mostert, and Debo Samuel for this game. I am actually going to go with my Niners to go, against, to go into Los Angeles and beat the Rams.
1: I love the matchup of the Niners over the Rams. And we obviously. Too. Yeah, we obviously saw that before, and the, with the touchdown line, I mean, all I have to do is win by seven points and I get the victory. So I will take the Niners as well, but this is another one where I want to see where the experts go. Do do, do big money – does big money push the line in favor of the Niners or towards the Rams? And I think that will give me a, a better idea of which way to go in this game, but I will take the Niners at this point. I do feel good about the 49ers – um, even with Nick Mullins, who if, if, if Ben Roethlisberger is Jimmy Garoethlisberger at this point, um, then Nick Mullins is basically Mason Rudolph. So um, I'm sorry to your Niners for a lost season. Maybe this is a consolation prize of keeping it close versus the Rams in Los Angeles.
0: You know, I, I don't know, man. I, when, when you have $90 million on IR at any point during the season, yeah, it, it truly is just a lost year at that point. And I, I have struggled to figure out what the answer is to answer the injury concerns because it's not just this year. It's happened to them four years in a row. It just so happened in the Super Bowl year. The injuries weren't really lasting and weren't really to key players. That was the biggest difference between 2019 versus 2029ers but I will not lament. I will move into this next game, which should be a fun game from a narrative perspective. The Kansas City Chiefs, 9-1, on the road, heading into Tampa, who is a three-and-a-half point underdog. We have seen it, angry Tom Brady, and I do think that that is a little bit of a fun thing to play up whenever it happens. Um, the Chiefs gave, had to give a world... Had to give a very strong effort to beat the Las Vegas Raiders on the road. God, this is going to be a tough one to predict, but I think I'm just going to go with the Chiefs because Patrick Mahomes has seemed to have the better of Brady in their last few encounters, and I think that the Chiefs should be able to take apart the Bucks. and if the Rams were able to do it, I'm sure that Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and them could figure it out themselves.
1: I know we didn't talk about it on this podcast, but I would like to say that I was fairly certain of how the Buccaneers season would go in the preseason. And let me just say, I couldn't have been more right at this point. Um, The Buccaneers are headed towards that fifth or sixth seed in the NFC playoffs. And as great as Tom Brady has looked at times, at times, Tampa Bay's defense has regressed from what they looked like the first six weeks of the season, Obviously, there's a lot of weapons, but if Antonio Brown is your fourth receiver, then he's not Antonio Brown. If Rob Gronkowski is your fifth receiver, well, then he's not Rob Gronkowski. He's a fifth receiver, and there's only so many times you can hit him versus having Chris Godwin when healthy, Mike Evans went healthy, um, OJ Howard went healthy. Obviously, his season's over now. Um, And also, I'm just not going to bet against my boy Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes made me renew my love of football many years ago, which I think is only two years ago now. And so I am not going to go against my boy Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'll take that at three and a half. Um, and Kansas City and the Steelers are this, this upper tier of NFL teams at this point. And then there's a lot, of, lot going on in the middle. And then there's just the Bills. And no one knows what's going on with the Bills. But we know they're pretty good.
0: A lot of question marks. It makes the Super Bowl picks definitely a very interesting, especially out of the NFC. Uh, a lot of importance placed on that bye. But yeah, we're both on the Chiefs. Speaking of that bye, a team that's trying to lock that down themselves is going to be the Packers. Well, in order to do that, they got to beat the Bears on Sunday Night Football. This is one of those great old timey matchups for you. And so far, I don't see the line posted on this one. Um, I don't know. It's not posted on, at least on ESPN. I would assume the Packers are going to be favorites probably by at least four or five points, if I had to guess. I'm going to go with the Packers, of course, obviously coming off of that loss to the Colts, a very important matchup for them. It's just kind of disappointing where the Bears' season has went. Uh, Obviously, they had a couple lucky wins early on, had that hot start. But um, yeah, they're just a mess and they just got to figure out the quarterback position. That's the biggest thing when it comes to the Bears. So yeah, Packers at home.
1: I think it's time to start the uh, Jameis Winston to Chicago rumors um, as we get closer (laughs) to the offseason. Seen that one? It's it's him. It's Mac Jones. It's uh, Bears fans are are desperate for something on offense because uh,
0: Bears fans are hating on Matt Nagy hard. That's a big one.
1: Well, I think it's well-deserved at the same time, unfortunately. I know his schemes are not necessarily the problem, um, but he's going to be the de facto fall guy as a result of not getting the franchise quarterback. Usually the GM and the coach are tied to the quarterback that they choose, and ultimately they're going to be the fall guys in this situation. This is interesting because if the Bears keep Ryan Pace, I think it's less likely that they draft a quarterback this year because – I don't think Ryan Pace's job is necessarily secure in Chicago. Um, So it would seem strange that they'd let him pick the next franchise quarterback. Oh, especially Uh, because
0: he did such a great job in drafting the last franchise quarterback. That's the biggest thing that's always a question question mark when you mention Matt Nagy's job security. Matt Nagy didn't come into that organization with the opportunity to draft the guy. He came in with Mitch Trubisky already there and was told to groom him. I remember one of the biggest things was Matt Nagy saying after their first year together when they made that playoff run, oh, he just graduated Matt Nagy 101. And so far at this point, it doesn't seem like he's going to make it to a 400-level class. I feel it will only be fair to at least give Matt Nagy an opportunity to work with a rook, work with a new guy, because I don't know where the decision-making was in Falls, other than maybe that was a guy I've worked with before when they were in Kansas City for that brief time. And the Bears weren't in a position where they could go after one of the elite QBs in this last draft. And I think that's kind of what led into all well, this year that they're having this roll coaster. So I don't put a lot of blame on Matt Nagy. I definitely place a lot of blame on Ryan Pace. And I think if one has to go, it has to be Ryan Pace. But then that causes that weird thing of, well, now you have the old coach. I think that's just bad front office management by the Bears in general when it comes to coach, yes. GM, quarterback.
1: And I think they're going to ultimately have to clear house. It's just, it would be strange if it happened this year, considering that the Bears aren't actually that bad. They're like five and five. They've been a fine team this year. And, you know, I think I, again, am going to roll with the Packers with you. But gosh, it, it has been, again, a roller coaster season for the Bears. Better than I thought it would be, no question about it. But. I do have to defer to the Packers are just a much better team than the Bears, despite the, the great defense that the Bears have. If you're going point spread, if it's about four and a half, I could see it going both ways. But uh, I will take the Packers to cover in this game. And maybe this is the week that the breaks fall off for the Chicago Bears.
0: Okay, well, will the breaks fall off for the Philadelphia Eagles? They are 3-6-1, and one, barely clinging on to their lead in the NFC East and they're welcoming in Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks into town as six-point home underdogs. You've heard the narrative, Carson Wentz. How long is he going to be starting? You've heard people calling for Jalen Hurts. This has been a horrible year for the Eagles, and I think they're in a bit of a (laughs) crossroads themselves. Would you move off of Wentz? I'll start it off there.
1: Uh, I am a big Carson Wentz guy. I do have to say it. It's been so strange because we've never really seen something like this where we've seen such a precipitous drop off from a guy who at one point was the MVP of the league. If he doesn't miss the last three games of the season in 2017, he is the MVP of the league and he helps the Eagles win the Super Bowl and he is the white Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP MVP of the league Super Bowl champion at 23 years old. And now it's where are you as a franchise? because he has been among 34 quarterbacks qualifying. He is ranked 34th in the league in QBR, in touchdown to INT ratio. There's another advanced analytic. I forgot what it's called now. It's four four letters and it seems really smart, but smart people use it to evaluate. He's, He's 34th out of 34 there it's been a really really strange ride and at some point that if they weren't in a playoff race I think they would go to Jalen Hurts I think they would just at least see what they have and get a higher draft pick much like Jake Luton and Ryan Finley did with the Jaguars and Bengals but because they're in the thick of the playoff race I think Carson Wentz still gives you the best chance to win ultimately they'll roll with him the rest of the season I
0: just look around that team and I don't know how much blame I put on the Eagles. They definitely went out there and tried to get some wide receivers. We're hoping Deshaun Jackson could have stayed healthy. Jalen Rager in his rookie year, he's been banged up. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside never developed into anything. Alshon Jeffrey's been hurt so they made attempts to surround Carson Wentz with some guys. Miles Sanders, he's never really taken over the run game. I think that's when people are starting to shift the focus now onto Doug Peterson. And now Doug Peterson's in the spots where on one hand, yes, he was a Super Bowl winning head coach, but then people are like, well, look, Frank Reich leaves, DeFilippo leaves, and suddenly the offense is having to rely on Carson Wentz to pull miracles out of his ass half the time. And that's when they do win. So when you say that Wentz gives him the best chance to win. I agree with that because when they have won, it's usually because Carson Wentz has went out there and did something extraordinary. The problem is when he's not making those extraordinary plays, the offense struggles to move the ball. And then you add that to a defense that has been banged up last year and has just been not great this year and they're not in a position where they're a Super Bowl contender anymore. Yes, they might make the playoffs, and that'll be great to see them get bumped in the first round. Someone has to, of course, make the playoffs from the NFC East. I don't think any of these teams are really actually happy about it because I think they would prefer to actually just get some pieces to build around. I think probably the biggest thing, if you're an Eagles fan, you might have to do is just you need an offensive guy. I don't know if that's possible to just hire a good OC to serve under Doug Peterson because... I don't know if they want to do that because then you know that that guy's going to be gone in a year whenever the offense looks great and then he has some head coaching offers. So I think the most sound decision at that point is just move off Doug Peterson. You've already committed all this money to Wentz. You got to see it through. Just spend a year in which you just load up on weapons, get the right coach, and get someone that you think you won't have to rely on to pass off on play calling duties.
1: This is a tough decision because something's going to eventually have to give, whether it's the GM, whether it's the coach, or whether it's the quarterback. Now, I think fastest coach to be fired post winning a Super Bowl was, I believe, six years. And I think it was John Gruden, but don't quote me on it. So Doug Peterson gets this grace period because he won a Super Bowl, but this is a different time in the league now where if you're given the choice between Roseman, the GM, Doug Peterson, the coach, and Wentz, the quarterback, I think the the give and take is probably now this may not be true because they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, but the give and take is probably Peterson first, then Roseman, then probably Carson Wentz.
0: I might put Wentz ahead of Roseman, personally. I think Roseman's been part of a lot of good teams.
1: I, you could make a case for it. And it's difficult to move Wentz's contract because he obviously has four years left, four or five years left on that deal. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think four years left on the deal. So by, by the last couple of years, it'll be more movable. And I don't think anything happens dramatically this off season with the Eagles. I think well I thought they would make the playoffs um that seems to be in question now as either Washington or Dallas will jump them this week and the the Giants are the only team I can say with certainty the Giants want to make the playoffs the Giants don't want to tank they genuinely want to make the playoffs they're just not very good and under normal circumstances they wouldn't even be in the conversation so
0: what would you put your investment in in the draft, if you're the Eagles, what makes this team better? Do you think it's just a question of weapons? Or is it, um, like I said, a matter of coaching? Do you, is it talent versus coaching? What, what's the problem here?
1: Well, I think this is tough because I, I talent and coaching excu- exclusively, I'm going to go talent, is the problem for the Eagles. And like you, I've struggled to figure out, is it Carson Wentz I mean, he, there's this lack of talent around him, and he's throwing to the Fulgums and former quarterbacks, Andre Ward of the world. And at the same time, it's just some of these throws are so bad. They are. not <laughs> It's I brutal to even, watch Eagles football. I can't even make the excuses for Wentz. They, it is bad passes. And, and doing the Josh Allen thing where he's falling to the ground and flipping a pass towards the linebacker to keep the play alive. And –
0: I mean, you'd rather take Josh, as you coming from your previous yes. hate of Josh Allen earlier in there, you would take Josh Allen over Carson Wentz, right? Oh,
1: easily. I would take, if you could get rid of that contract, I'd move off of Carson Wentz tomorrow because while the upside is there, they're owing him like $110 million guaranteed. And much like Jared Goff with the Rams, if they could get away from him, they would, and they would try again. And unfortunately, they've given out the big contracts. And so they're kind of just stuck in the mud right now. And so I believe Wentz will be better with better talent. To your original question about the draft, I think I would probably go offensive line with the first round pick, maybe one of these six or seven tackles that has a, a first round grade or early second round. But ultimately it's a bigger thing than that. I think the defense has injuries and they're kind of just plugging holes to kind of stay afloat much like what the chargers were doing with like Chris Harris and Linball Joseph to kind of fill holes and that'll only get you so far for so long before you have to have like a real reckoning of we don't have a lot of stars Darius Slay I will say that was a pretty good acquisition by them this off mm-hmm. season. but yeah I would say talent is the issue and they're gonna have to make a commitment to Carson Wentz this off season.
0: okay Okay, fair enough. Uh, yeah, O-line help would be huge. Keep him on his feet, at least. Obviously, you know you're dealing with a quarterback with an injury history. I think that they could also probably upgrade at the running back position. I don't think Miles Sanders is necessarily the guy. I think that they could continue to just develop a good running game. I think that would go do wonders for Carson Wentz and keeping him like upright and not having to make miracle throws and all this extra stuff that he's having to do. And keep that guy going. I, I am still a Carson Wentz fan. It just it's getting harder seeing these games, seeing these performances.
1: I mean, to be to be a fair journalist here in this conversation, of course, yes, it's, Carson Wentz has made some irrefutable mistakes. But as someone who views him as the White Mahomes and says that he, at his best he can be a Deshaun Watson level player, I just don't think we're ever going to see that again after what came from 2017. But I am confident enough to say the Eagles will cover the six and a half point spread and maybe, just maybe, pull the upset over the Seattle Seahawks. Oh,
0: that's right. We have a game. I didn't even- <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) Uh, yeah um okay i agree with that Uh, i'll say that they cover yes but yeah seahawks are gonna win the game overall so they're gonna win the battle but lose the war
1: they better the seahawks better win that game for their sake they need this one because they're tied with the rams right now
0: tied with the rams rams now just got a huge tiebreaker victory yeah that's a that's a problem for them but okay that does it for the nfl week 10 or week 12 slate long show, good show. But Kyle, thank you again for coming on. Let's see here. The only appropriate thing to do is just plug everything. Tell us what you're working on.
1: Yes. So you can check out the Take It Easy podcast every day. Um, Just Google Take It Easy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. and we also have a radio show, Take It Easy Radio Show. It's available on Blog Talk Radio, Open Talk Radio, 313 The Flash. We are off right now, but we return there in January of 2021. And follow us on Instagram at Take It Easy Podcast and at Comical Sports Beams. As Juju mentioned earlier, we do like making fun of people um, in good spirit, but we like making fun of people. Here on the Take It Easy podcast and comical sports memes. So, well,
0: listeners, obviously, you've listened to the show. You made it a full hour and 40 minutes. Now, the last thing I need you to do, though, is hit that subscribe button. Go ahead, do it. It's right there. You're listening. You're right next to it. Do it. Other than that, guys, of course, use our promo code SLUMP to save 20% off plus free shipping handling at manscaped.com. Use promo code SLUMP to save 10% off, 15% off Nature's League, Caveman Coffee go on and check out RazorSport, sport r-a-z-e-r sport.com at slumpbuster podcast on ig at slumpbuster pod on twitter and especially holiday season guys thankful for you listening but i really want you to stay safe happy and healthy and we'll see you on the next one